Okay, here I go again. I was just on a conversation with my person and it triggered another story from my past. It was actually one that I was talking with about my clients today, one of the sibs, of course. And so it was just reinforced when Jason and I were talking about it. And remember when I talked about uh, being taken to the emergency room and almost dying and they did emergency surgery on me and blah, blah, blah. And I was going to a facility for a month. So, and the majority of the time I spent in the Kaiser hospital, but um, so that I could recuperate so that they could intravenously give me the necessary antibiotics to cure the septicemia. Well, one of the big things was, okay, first of all, it was a major surgery on my knee and I was really hard pressed to be able to put weight on the knee, let alone walk on the knee. And I think I may have talked about the fact that being in a facility or a hospital for a month, it can get quite depressing quite quickly to the point where you're only focusing on the pain but more importantly, focusing on why me? Why did this happen to me? And you really start feeling sorry for yourself. And I know that's exactly what I did, especially when I was put initially in the facility that was basically an old folks home. And here I am young, surrounded by older people who are on various stages of infirm death or dying. Believe me, it doesn't do a lot for one's self-esteem or one's outlook on life. And so I only focused on the fact that I had pain and the fact that I had pain kept me from doing things that are normal to most of us, like, I feel I need to pee or poop and I need to get out of bed and walk to the bathroom and do my business and come back. It was an effort mentally and physically to do that. I laid in the bed and thought, do I have to? Because I could easily do my business in the bed. And I was in a facility where they would just take care of me and do what they needed to do. But my dignity was not going to allow me to go to that level. And so I tried as hard as I could, and I did take care of business. But one thing that I realized was when I needed to go to the bathroom, regardless of whether it was number one or number two, it was just easier for me to sit down. I just needed to sit down. And who cares if boys stand up and pee and girls sit down and pee? I needed to sit down and I did. And that became my go-to. I could talk myself into going to the bathroom and putting myself through the torture of the pain of having to 
walk and manipulate myself to get there. But once I got there, it was a sit-down party. And that was fine. And I was okay with that. And then when I got out of the hospital, I mean, it's interesting how habits develop. Even after I got out of the hospital after a month, I had already internalized in my brain, mitigate the pain, even though there may not have been as much pain, but this is how strong the brain is because the brain is always listening and the brain is always learning to mitigate the so-called pain, sit down. And I perpetuated that. And so long after I was sent back home, my go-to was I go to the bathroom, regardless of whether it was one or two, I sat down and I was happy with that. My brain was satisfied with that. No pain, you're sitting down, no anxiety, no effort. And so that's the way that it just sort of happened. And then when I moved to Palm Springs, I continued that. And ultimately, as I've told the story, I met Jason slash Jayla, and we became persons and we created our podcast of Beauty and the Shrink. And I think Beauty and the Shrink, if you want to go back and listen to it, is still on iHeartRadio um, and probably some others. So if you want to hear it, go back and listen to it. You know, good times, old times. But um, I started talking about the peeing sitting down. And it became like an inner joke where I would say something like, well, we need to take a break now because... I need to go pee sitting down because we needed to put commercial breaks in there. That was our way of doing it. We laughed legitimately. Sometimes I did need to go pee sitting down. And so it became a joke between me and Jason and probably anybody else who was listening. So fast forward. um, I was having a conversation with another client of mine and we were talking about enabling and creating the monster and how difficult it is to dismantle the monster. And what he was saying was, is that he would talk to his children about you need, it's your mother's birthday or it's Christmas and you need to get her something. So let me know what you want me to get her and I will go to the store or online and I will buy it. And sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't. And if they didn't, then he would just go online and he would just buy it. And then mom would get a present. And even though mom knew, okay, dad went ahead and bought the present, but what they were doing is sending the message to the children. You really don't have to take responsibility for anything because if you don't then ultimately I will step up and I will take the responsibility and we were talking about that today and we were discussing the fact that okay mom's birthday is coming up again within the next month and he sort of put forth the same kind of information to the kids and in thinking aloud during therapy thinking well 
I hope they do, but I'm not sure that they would do. And I, you know, being that kind of therapist, stood up and said, wait a minute. This is not something that you should be playing with the kids. They either ought to or not. It's the children, the challenge type concept. If you want this, then do this. And if you decide to forego this because you chose not to do this, then that's on you. That's your decision. So I'm going to give you a deadline on when you need to let me know. And of course, this is an entree into this whole process. You, I'm going to give you a deadline on when you need to get back to me and let me know what you want to buy for your mother for her birthday. And of course, I'll pay for it right now because we all live under the same roof and that's the understanding. And if you don't get back to me by a certain date, I'm not going to buy her anything. And you are going to go into the birthday celebration with having nothing. But then we took it a step further and I said, well, what does your wife do when she receives nothing or they say, oh, I didn't get around to getting you anything, but oh, I love you and I'll buy you something next week or something. And he said, she says, oh, that's okay. Not a problem. I'm just happy you're here. And I said, oh, but wait a second. Your wife needs to be on the same page and say, I'm hurt or I feel bad that you didn't do it. Because again, it's children, the challenge. If you didn't do it, these are the consequences. And if you did do it, this is the reward. So if you didn't follow through, then I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be upset. This is the way that it's going to teach you because children need to be taught. My client was telling me that one of his sons who has a new girlfriend didn't realize that he had, had to understand or should understand this is your new girlfriend's birthday and you should acknowledge it in some way, whatever way you need to. He didn't understand that. Really? That's important? Now we go back to the parental responsibility. If you're not teaching them based on the dynamic of the family, then he can't be blamed for not realizing that that's a thing. And my client got it. Now through all that, it leads me to me, which ultimately everything leads to me. I was telling him about this last Christmas where I went out of my way and I thought about it and I bought because Jason's studying to be a realtor and I bought him a notebook because I know that he likes to write things down and it was a notebook specifically for realtor with his name embossed on the cover and I bought him a pen, a really nice pen to write in the book. 
with his name inscribed on it. And I got him something else. What else did I get him? Oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but I got him something anyway. And so I was very excited about getting him this. And so then Christmas came and mother and Jason and I are opening our presents and mother's typical present is, I don't know what to buy you. So I'm going to get you money, give you money, a gift certificate or something. And that's fine because she doesn't know. And I've always sent the message. This is the important thing. I've sent the message message to people. You don't need to buy me anything because I've gotten to the point in my life where I, if I want it, I can buy it for myself. So I've realized, and I realize, I created that monster. I've sent the message. You don't need to really buy me anything because I can buy it myself if I want it. And so, you know, mother gives me 50 bucks or something like that. She sends the same thing to my brother. And that's fine because I can use the 50 bucks and I can more than likely buy mother something afterwards, whatever. But I got my presents from Jason and he was so excited about it. And I thought, yay, I'm excited about this. And I start opening the package. And the first was this device that you hang over the toilet that's held down by the toilet seat that lights up the toilet bowl when the light is off. And I thought to myself, that's interesting, but when are any of us looking in the bathroom when the light is off? Because our first inclination is to go into the bathroom, turn on the light. Obviously, this light turns off. Okay, fine. The next present I open is this bidet type thing that you have to, number one, be a plumber to hook up. But it attaches to your toilet in some way plumbing type way that it turns your toilet into a bidet. Ew, number one, why do I need a bidet? But there it is sitting in front of me and I thought, okay. Then the the third package was, I opened it up and it was like this step stool type thing. And apparently to get good colon flow and Jay, Jason's got one so he knows of what he speaks but I'm not all about necessarily good colon flow um, but he it's a, it's a step stool that you pull out you sit on the toilet and you put your feet upon and apparently your colon has better flow and blah 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 not really my thing the bottom line is I wasn't looking for bidet-ish lighting up the toilet with good colon flow Christmas present. It was well-intended and it was based around our understanding of me peeing sitting down. So I get it. And I love Jason for this, that he was trying 
to find a theme. But I also realized I don't want a theme. And even though I can pay for whatever I want, I realize I want somebody to pay for something they know I want. As Marilyn Monroe said in um, Gentlemen Before Blondes, I just love to wear diamonds on my head. I do. You can never have too many diamondish, ruby, emeralds. All that combined, diamond, ruby, emeralds. Yes, I can buy them for myself, but I probably wouldn't. But if somebody decided to buy that for me, that would be like, well, way better than a bidet or a light that lights up a toilet. But it would mean something different. It's kind of like, yes, I understand that Jason really did have a thought process or thought processes when he was deciding to buy my Christmas present. And again, I love him for it, for taking the time to do it. It just sort of fell flat. No disrespect intended, but you know me. I say what I mean, and I mean what I said. I've said it to him, too. Next Christmas, seven months. I just love wearing a diamond on my head. Okay, guess what? I'm probably going to get a tiara, and that's fine with me. I will wear a tiara as long as it's not costume jewelry out to the bars and also if you think about it oh here's something that i've told jason that now with the covid and everything that i've learned i really don't want to go out to venue alexa stop i don't want to go out to venues really as much as i did before but i'm here to tell you if i had a tiara to wear on my head I'd probably be more inclined to go out more. And I'm just joking. I'm just making a point. I really, if I'm putting in the effort, I really do want other people to put in the effort for me. I enjoy my mother giving me 50 bucks. No effort involved. But I understand where she's coming from. I understand where Jason's coming from and me telling him if I wanted to buy a tiara... I could buy it myself, so he's trying to find something personal for me. But it didn't work. And you know what? That brings me to another story. I was talking with a client earlier today, and I was going to sort of make these two separate podcasts, but why don't I just incorporate them into one? When my niece and my nephew were growing up, and they were teenagers, low teens, Maybe not even teenagers. They were probably five, six, seven, some where kids start thinking. <laughs> and I'm a psychotherapist, but I don't do kids. So, you know what? I could probably go back into my training and figure out when kids start thinking or whatever, but I don't know. But I remember this is when the time when my niece and nephew could think. And it was, you know, Christmas time. And let's all go out 
and buy presents. And my brother's a cheapskate. He's always been a cheapskate. Um, it's another podcast that I'm going to talk about, about how my brother really became a cheapskate, which really hurts my heart and it involves my parents. I'll follow that up. But um, my brother really became a cheapskate when he had his children. And again, I think it really did have something to do with the experiences of my mom and dad. But it was like, I need to put money away for my daughter's wedding. Yeah, she's five or six, and she's not going to be married for decades or whatever, but I need to put the money away, and I need to save up money because of what mom and dad did, and I'm going to be an old man, I'm going to work forever, and I'm not going to go on any vacations, and I'm going to give my wife a certain um, um, amount of money to buy Christmas presents for the family, and that's what he did. And so my sister-in-law, Abby, had a certain amount of money that she used to buy family presents. And I remember this one Christmas, she even admitted it, which makes it even more sad that she didn't realize what she was saying, is that she bought all the Christmas presents for the family members, my mother, my father, this, that, or the other. And when she got to the end to buy a Christmas present for me, she ran out of money. And she only had a little bit of money. So she allowed my niece and my nephew to go into the store and pick out something for their Uncle Mark. And my niece and my... And this goes back to me talking to my client about the parent being the one who says, yeah, you may say you want to buy this for your mother, but I'm standing up and saying, no, that's not appropriate. Have you thought about this? That's where the parent steps up and says, child, I've got you in check. Well, my sister-in-law, Abby, led it up to my niece and nephew, young, to pick a present for their Uncle Mark. So on Christmas night, because we always opened our present Christmas Eve because they always went back to their house and had their Christmas day and the kids were excited about Santa coming and opening the presents and, you know, that was perfectly fine. We understood that. So on Christmas Eve, we all opened our presents and it was time for me um, to open my presents. And my niece and nephew were semi-excited about me opening my present. And so therefore, I was semi-excited about opening my presents, present, and I opened it, and it was a pencil sharpener. One of those pencil sharpeners that you attach to a desk somehow and crank. It wasn't even an electric pencil sharpener. It was one of those crank pencil sharpeners. And as the story came out, I found out that she had run out of money and let my niece and my nephew pick the present. They didn't know what they were doing. She didn't stop them from doing it. She just let them do it. And I can tell you right now, because I was a giver, I gave so much 
in presents and not only at Christmas. I don't believe in holidays necessarily to show one's love. I like to show my love 365 days of the year. If I'm thinking about you and I want to do something for you, I will do something for you. And that's the way that I've always lived my life. Well, at least as far as I can remember and as far as I could afford it. But if I make enough money where I can do for others, I'm going to do for others. And so that's the way that I was. And I open and get a pencil sharpener. And I was devastated. I was hurt. But I wasn't allowed in my own mind to show my hurt. But I think you can probably realize from me telling the story so many years later, because my niece and nephew are in their mid-twenties, that it still really hurts. And I'm not going to pass judgment on anybody because I really do believe that people do the best they can with what they know. And I hope that's the case in this situation. But I'm hoping that by sharing this, people listening to it will realize, oh, okay, maybe I've done the best I could with what I know. And now I'm enlightened more. And so I know more. And so to finish this podcast with the other story that was going to go along with this one is that I would go, and my niece and my nephew were older now. They were like teens. And my father was still alive. And it was apparently a tradition in my sister-in-law's family that at the holiday, I can't remember whether, it was probably Thanksgiving because it goes along with the theme. We say what we're thankful for. And we go around the table and each of us says what we're thankful for. And then my sister-in-law, who has written this newsletter that she sends out each year to family and friends, she writes about what she's thankful for from the various family members. And she starts, you know, what she's grateful for of the family members, let me put it that way. And she's grateful, you know, for this loving thing from her husband, and she's grateful for these kinds of things that her children um, are and did and will do. I was always the last one, and it was always something similar to, and I'm grateful for Uncle Mark taking Grandma and Grandpa on a cruise. That's all I boil down to in the family is what I can do for others with my finances or whatever. You're not grateful for the fact that I'm a caring individual or I love the children so much that I'm there for them when they need me. That didn't even come in, into play. And that was the same thing year after year. I'm grateful because Mark spent money on something for somebody. And I think you can hear in my voice 
that to this day, it still hurts me. And to be honest with you, well, I haven't spoken to my brother in about four, four and a half years because of a dynamic that I've talked about in a podcast before. But it makes me wonder if that weren't the case and things were going on as usual, would it have changed? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know why. I don't understand the mentality. I don't understand the concept. I have to sort of say there's no ill intent. I guess it's meant to be positive. But I think anybody with half a brain or emotions of any sort would realize that's not right. I'm not asking for sympathy. All I'm doing is sharing my memories and my experiences because after all, as I say, I've lived to tell. But if I've lived to tell and other people can listen to this and then think for themselves, oh, can I learn something new because I've only been doing what I know to do And now I know to think about something different and perhaps do something different. That's the mission behind this podcast. I'm not trying to demean anyone or dismiss anyone. I'm sharing my feelings based on my experiences. And if you can take anything away in a positive way from me sharing this story, then me living to tell is everything to me. Until next time.